Okay, abide part 18, part 18. In a lot of ways, this is going to be just sort of, just kind of wrapping our arms around everything that's been said and saying, my, my hope is that we will find ourselves saying personally yes to this. At the simplest level, this whole message is about us just saying yes. That's it. It's that simple. Maybe we just go home right now. Um, I'm kidding. But, but saying yes to him. Um, I want to remind you of a couple things we stated right at the beginning of this series. You know, we started in John chapter 15, and the reason we titled this series Abide is because of everything Jesus is talking about in John 15, where he's inviting us to abide in him, to day by day live our lives connected to the vine that is our source of life and strength and energy. Um, he's, our, he's our food. He's our fuel. Everything that we need is found in him, and it is all around that passage that Jesus is also talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower us. He's directly linking our ongoing connection with him to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we kind of stated our goal in this series to be this, that we would be developing a real, personal, daily, real, personal, daily relationship with the Holy Spirit so that the default setting in my life is to regularly experience his transforming love and to live empowered to give that love away. I'm going to read that one more time. Our goal, our heart is that we personally would develop a real personal daily relationship with the Holy Spirit so that our default setting, man, when I wake up in the morning, my default setting is I'm regularly experiencing God's transforming love in my life, that that becomes home, that that becomes familiar. That's the starting point. And then I can live an empowered life where I give that love away. That is the heart of this. We've covered the territory of who he is. We've discussed how we can cultivate a relationship with him. We've talked about the fruit he produces in our lives and the gifts he wants to give us. And so this morning, we're going to wrap this series up by focusing on what I'm calling one necessary thing, one necessary thing. So let's, let's camp out in Luke chapter 11 this morning. Pretty much the entire time we're going to be in Luke 11. If you want to turn there and follow along, you can do that. The scripture will be up on the screen. Um, but we're going to just take a look at, at a very important conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. All right, so let's just pick it up right in verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, it's easy to just kind of skip past that and go right to the part we're familiar with, where he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But we just need to stop and consider this for a minute. The disciples are asking this question for a reason. They've They've been living with Jesus. They've been walking him or watching him and walking with him as he's done miracles, as he's taught people, he's cast out demons, he's raised the dead. Like they've just watched like this freight train that'll just come rolling into town, touching people's lives with life-changing power. And they've, they've been witness to all of this. But there's something else that they've been witness to. They have watched him consistently and regularly get away 
to spend time with the Father in prayer. And they sense that there's something he knows and something he has that they don't. They've identified the source of what's going on. They see all the activity. They're not saying to him, Jesus, teach us to heal people. They don't say, Jesus, teach us to preach like you. They've identified the source of what's going on. There is something about what you do when you go off on that mountain, when you go hide out in those woods, when you slip away from the campfire. There is something going on there. What is it? What is it? They, are, they have a desire for something they don't have. Now, I've experienced that in my life. I don't know if you guys have, but I've experienced things. I've, I've walked around church life plenty of times and gone, man, that guy over there, that gal over there, there is something they've got that I don't have. And, and I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But man, I, I crave that passion for God. I, I crave that, that intimacy, that prayer life. I, there's something missing. And so the disciples, all they kind of know to do is just say, hey, um, we've seen John the Baptist teach his disciples how to pray. Will you help us out here? Give us a little guidance. Don't miss the simplicity of the fact that Jesus says yes. He doesn't leave them to figure it out on their own. He says, yeah, I'll teach you. Absolutely. And so the the first thing I want to encourage you to consider this morning, and maybe the only thing, I would encourage you to consider this morning is when you, th- you think about the Holy Spirit, when you think about the presence of God that is available to us day in and day out, the first thing I want you to consider is what do you want? What do you want? If it's easier for you to identify with maybe the question, what do you lack? Start there. What do you lack? What do you want? Is there something that you're eager to have or experience in your walk with Jesus? Are you dry? Are you, just, are you ready to be refreshed? Or is this brand new territory for you? you? You've heard people talk about having a relationship with God, and you're just like, I don't know what that really looks like. I don't know how to walk in that. What do you want? Start there. And so the disciples started there. They wanted something that was missing, and Jesus gives it to them. Now, he responds in three ways, three ways. So first of all, he gives them practical guidance. He gives them practical guidance. Luke chapter 11 here, verses 2 through 4, we're going to read them in just a minute. He begins to teach them what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, There's there's a little bit of a lengthier version that's given in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Um, But Luke gives us a taste of it here. And so Jesus said to them, this is verse two now, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I I love how practical this is. Jesus gives them an outline a guideline of some things to consider when they begin talking with God. Consider who he is. Hallowed be your name. Reflect on who he is, what he's like, and thank him for that. God, you're awesome. I'm praising you. Um, invite him. So don't, not only reflect on him, but invite him. Jesus, you come be in charge. That's what your kingdom come means. It means I'm getting off the throne and I'm inviting you to come have a seat. 
I'm getting out from behind the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. I guess I had to go there. Um, that, that wasn't in my notes. You got that one. That was extra. Um, but listen, it's, it's, it's acknowledging who he is, inviting him to come. And then he gives just some practical guidance. Man, day to day, trust him for provision. Man, when you blow it, invite him to forgive you. When you've been hurt, acknowledge, God, I need you to help me forgive others. When we're facing just the reality of our struggles and temptations, invite him to come and guide us in the midst of that. He gives them a practical guide, a practical outline. I love that. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop there and say, there's the outline. Following Jesus is not about having a list and checking boxes. Alex, you referenced that this morning about just being here at church. It's not about that. There's more. There's a secret to the prayer. And so Jesus continues. He not only gives them practical guidance, he then tells them a story and says, be like this. Check out this story. Luke 11, verse 5 now. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Jesus said, you need to be like someone that will pester someone else till you get what you want. Prayers like that. So hey, here's a guideline of some ideas of how to pray, but listen, the heart behind your prayer is to go after it. Now, this word that's used there, it's not a word that's necessarily familiar to us, and so often when it gets translated or, or taught, we think of the word persistence. And there's some accuracy to that, but it's more than that. That word impudence, it actually means reckless persistence, shameless persistence, audacity. That's what it means to have the audacity to go, hey, hey, wake up. I'm in need and to not stop. Now, my buddy Charlie has taught me this all week long. So our good friends have been staying with us and Charlie, like first day they were in town, we got to go watch Micah have a basketball game on Tuesday night. And so we got to ride in the infamous blue van. All right, you can spot it a mile away. It's the only one in Knoxville. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty safe in saying that. And so after that, I mean, that's like his first night at our house. This was Tuesday night. So I would say 85% of my conversations with Charlie since Tuesday night have revolved around him walking up and going, blue van, blue van. He'll do the little sign for blue. Charlie, can you do it? Would you want to ride in the blue van? Oh, okay, now... And I was like, I don't know. Blue van, that's right. Blue van, just, just steady, focused, that's what I'm after. Blue van. Cool, that's great, buddy, but we're going to eat right now. That's fine. Blue van. <laughs> hey, bud, well, we already went somewhere early today. We're done. Blue van. Blue van. Just steady, focus. And when he got in there, boom. Yes, blue van. Let's go for a ride. We get where we're going. We get out. We're there five minutes. Blue van. <laughs> Let's go. That's it. That's it. Being able to say, God, this. So I don't just have to stop with recognizing what I'm hoping for, what I'd like to have. 
I don't just identify what's lacking. Jesus then invites me to lean in, not just with some practical guidance, but with a heart towards saying, I will recklessly go after this thing that I want. I believe that, that all too often, and I know this because I see it in myself, so maybe it's just me. I see it in myself, but it's like I adopt this posture of waiting, but it's really just sort of sitting there and going, God, would you do this thing at me, towards me? Now, 100%, there, there is an aspect in our walk with Jesus where we're trusting him to do what we can. Okay, I'm not talking about earning something, But there is a difference between earning and effort. There's a difference. We don't have to earn anything in the kingdom of God. It's freely given. It's a gift of his grace. I don't have to earn salvation. I don't have to do enough to measure up and get something. His presence is available to me right here, right now. And yet, consistently throughout scripture, I see an invitation from the Lord for me to seek after him. And so we lean in with this attitude of persistently going after it. And so Jesus takes not only that story, but then he gives some very clear direction, verses 9 and 10. He says, hey, you heard my story? Now I tell you this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I can't help but see this progression going there. There have been moments in my life where all it took was me just saying one simple prayer and asking him, and I've watched him show up and miraculously intervene. Touch my life, bring healing, whatever it is. Bring an answer if I'm looking for direction. I've absolutely experienced that. He responds to asking. But sometimes it requires a little more. Sometimes there's an invitation beyond just making a request. What he's after is people who are willing to go on an adventure. That's what seeking is about. It's about going on an adventure. And listen, the joy of the thing that's found many times is about all that I went through to get there. Like part of the celebration is just like, I made it. I'm glad I've got this thing, but like, I made it. I learned things along the way. I grow, I'm strengthened. And so he's aware because he's a God of process. He's with us in the process. He's doing things in the midst of the process that are growing and strengthening us. And so I can ask and make the request and then I can seek. And he says, you're, you're gonna find if you seek. You might even find some things you weren't necessarily looking for, but they're exactly what you need. And so we seek, we go on the adventure. And then he says, listen, do what this friend did, knock. Knock. You know it's right on the other side of the door. You know he's there. Keep after it. Knock and see what happens. Several times in the life of Jesus, we see people that had obstacles put up in front of them. I mean, good night. Remember the woman who comes to him and he tells her, sorry, uh, you're not of the house of Israel. I'm not going to do that. Should the bread 
for the folks at the table be thrown to dogs? What if she stopped right there? What if the passage stopped right there? God would feel pretty cruel in that moment. Yes, you agree? I mean, I I think that sounds pretty cruel. But he doesn't stop there. She says, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus goes, that's it. He He was actually calling something out of her by allowing her to push through the obstacle to reach the other side. Don't let the circumstances of a specific moment tell you more about who he is than the reality of who he is. He is a good, loving God who cares and sees and knows. But because he cares and sees and knows, that means he sees things I don't. He's got a perspective I don't see. And so there's moments where he knows, man, I just need to respond to this request. There's other moments where he says, hey, come on the adventure with me. Let's go. Let's seek and find together. And there's other moments where he wants us to hang in there and persist with reckless abandon to say, God, I want that. Lean in, don't give up. And so he encourages persistence. I I wanna encourage you to consider Have you stopped at one of those three places? Consider that this morning. If question one was considering what do I want, what do I lack, maybe another question to consider in your walk with God is, Lord, have I stopped somewhere along the way at one of those three points? Have have I lost the ability to to go after you, to join in the adventure that, that you're in? Lord, are you inviting me to find some new strength in my walk with you by just persistently knocking? This is the kind of thing where, like, I can't tell you where you are, what he's up to, but he can. He sees and he knows right where we are, and he'll meet us there. So Jesus gives them practical guidance. He encourages a reckless persistence. And then ultimately, he offers a gift. Luke 11, now um, picking up in verse 11. After all this, he says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I don't know if you just made the connection that Jesus wanted us to make. But what he is saying is, disciples, you're after the secret. You want to know what's special about my walk with God? I have the power and the presence of his living spirit available in my life. The gift that I get is a real relationship with a living God who loves me. And he says, if you ask and seek and knock for that, he will give that gift. He will give you the gift of his presence. My, my hope and prayer for us is that we will say yes to that, that we will say yes to that. God, I want the gift that you give. And notice what Jesus does. He points to the character of the giver. And then he says, will that person not give you this gift? He calls him a good, perfect father. He says, hey, you can, you can look at your own life and you know your shortcomings, you know your failings, and yet you have a desire to give good gifts to those you love. How much more does the perfect father we have in heaven 
long to give good gifts to his kid. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be too careful. Don't minimize grace. We were talking about that earlier. Don't make it minimal. Don't marginalize it. Don't make it safe. God, my desire is for real living relationship with you. You say you love me. You say you're real. You say you're available. God, I need you. And so I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. I believe that you're a good, loving father who longs to give good gifts. God, I'm not just after the plan. I'm after you. I need you. I want you. God, fill my lack. I've learned over the years in Scripture to step back and go, what happened right before this? What happened right after this? What's going on here? And, and I find it interesting. I hope it'll give us a little final word of encouragement this morning. Right before this story, you know, when, when the Bible was written, like there weren't all those numbers in there yet. Y'all realize that? Like, there, like Luke didn't write down, okay, now I'm moving to chapter 11 here. Okay, there's a continuous story being told. The story that happens right before Jesus lays all of this out is a story about Martha and Mary. And so let's check it out. The very end of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. There is one thing that is necessary. One thing. The abiding power and presence of our Lord Jesus. The availability of his spirit that is available to us. And we get wrapped up in and ripped off by the toil, the cares, the anxieties that so easily fill our lives. I actually believe God will let us have a taste of being overwhelmed sometimes. Because in our being overwhelmed, we can look around and go, God, look at this going on in my own heart and mind. God, look at this going on in my family's life. Look at the circumstances happening all around me. God, look at this world. I mean, I can't hardly open up like just my news feed without being overwhelmed, God, by what's happening around me. And, and we get in this place where it's just this flood that comes in, and he's saying, hey, guess what? That's my job. I've got that. I, I never asked you to be Lord and ruler of everything happening in the United States of America. I didn't ask you to even be Lord and ruler of your own house. I've got that. So take your anxieties, take your cares, and realize you can come sit at my feet because I've got what you need. My presence and my grace is enough. It's enough to speak to the storm and say, peace be still. 
It's enough at times when the storm is still raging to be able to sleep in the boat and go, it's gonna be all right because there's somebody else in my boat with me who's able to not be freaked out by the storm. And so I can handle that because he's with me and he loves me. And so the invitation is just to recognize the one necessary thing. He's God and I'm not. And his grace is available. His presence is available. And I can sit at his feet. And I can say, God, here's my lack. Here's what I see that's missing. I'm I'm asking you, would you come do something about that? God, I've been here for a while, but I'm seeking you. I'm hanging in there on this adventure. God, I'm I'm desperate to see you move in this situation at this moment. And so I'm going to keep on knocking. If I, if I got to pray as I'm closing my eyes and laying my head on my pillow tonight and wake up and my feet hit the floor and I go straight to my knees and pray some more, God, I am going to keep on knocking to believe that you are present, you are available, your grace is enough, and I'm going to entrust it into your care because you care about me. And what you give me is what you've told me is the best gift, your presence. That's the best gift. His spirit is present and available. I open this series by reading a quote from John Piper, and I want to return to it here. He said, When you read the New Testament honestly, you can't help but get the impression of a big difference from a lot of contemporary Christian experience. For them, the Holy Spirit was a fact of experience. For many Christians today, it is a fact of doctrine. The, the saddest thing to me would be for us to leave this series and go, hey, as a church, we learned a bunch of stuff about the Holy Spirit. I learned about who he is. I learned about what he does. I've got the verses in my back pocket. But for us to walk away and not, not be experiencing the reality of a living relationship with him. I don't care if all you got out of this whole series is one little nugget. Hold on to that. Hold on to him. I don't need a giant instruction manual. I just need Jesus. I need the God who loves me and who loves the people around me. And I need to be able to live in the reality of his presence with me today. He's with me right here, right now, today. When I wake up Monday morning, he's with me right there. I, um, I'm always hesitant to, to share a movie quote or scene because then I feel like I'm rubber stamping the movie. Um, but I, I just feel compelled to share this here. So um, the movie Goodwill Hunting, there's a lot of language in that movie. Watch it on TV when they edit it out if you get the chance. Um, yeah. Whew. But there's this scene in the movie where Robin Williams' character is sitting on a park bench with Matt Damon. Anybody seen the movie? You know the scene? And what he's running through is he's talking to Matt Damon about how like, man, you're this smart kid and you got it all figured out. You've got all the answers. You've read every book in the library. And so I bet if I brought up this topic, you could just tell me all about it. And so for example, he brings up the Sistine Chapel and he's like, I'm sure you could tell me, you know, how long it took and what Michelangelo was thinking and all the stuff on there. But I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in that chapel. And what he's inviting him to do is move out of all this head knowledge and move into a place of experiencing the real world that's around him and available. That's the invitation. 
We have a real living God who loves us and is with us and is available. And we can choose to slow down and sit at his feet and say, God, you're enough. You're the one thing that's necessary. There might be things we learn or we grow in or he teaches us, but the one thing is the living God is available to me today. Today. I'm gonna close in just a minute with some prayer. Um, and as I'm, as I'm praying, I just wanna give y'all a moment to sit and reflect. I, I would actually encourage you to do this a little bit longer on your own soon, maybe today, maybe on a rainy day when there's not much else to do outside anyways. Maybe moms and dads can take turns with the kids to give each other some space. I, I don't know what it might look like for you, but I would encourage you to, to be merry and to sit at his feet. But I want to give us just some framework to consider. And so you can sit there with your eyes open. You can close your eyes. If you need to get away from somebody for a minute and have some space, you can do that. But I want to give you some questions to consider, okay, in light of what we've talked about. Okay, the first thing I would encourage you to consider, are you open to the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you open to that? Here's what I mean by it, even specifically. It might be, are you open to receiving him? At the end of all these things, would you maybe say, man, I don't really know that I've truly experienced what it means to just recognize his presence in my life. And so are, are you open to that realization and to inviting him in and receiving him in? Maybe for you, it's not about receiving him. Maybe it's about knowing him. Am I open to developing a relationship, to spending time in cultivating a relationship with God? What would that look like for me to slow down and do that? Maybe being open to his abiding presence looks like being willing to follow him, to follow him. That can mean repentance. God, I haven't been following you, and here's the area where I haven't. And we can feel distant or separated from his presence. But the psalmist writes and reminds us that, that we can get refreshing and be renewed by the spirit of God. He can, he can place a new spirit within me. And so I can repent. I can obey. I can say yes to things he's calling me to do. So I can follow him. Another thing I, I would encourage you to consider. Are there gifts he has already given you that maybe you haven't really been aware of? Are there gifts that we've talked about over the last few weeks where you go, man, I think maybe God's given me that and I haven't even really been living in that awareness. I haven't been walking in that. Just ask him about that. God, is there something you've already given me? Is there something you see in me that maybe I'm not seeing in myself? God, what would it look like for me to be open to cooperating with you and seeing that gift move in my life? And then finally, I'd encourage you, maybe consider, is there a gift I've been closed off to? Maybe, there, maybe it's out of ignorance. Maybe it's out of an old wound. Maybe it's out of some bad experience in another setting, in another relationship. Um, God, have I been resistant to that? And God, as I've been resistant to that particular gift, have I actually just found myself, maybe even unintentionally, resisting you? Am I open to saying yes to, to you and to whatever you have for me? And so, God, we just, we want to quiet our hearts before you. 
God, we choose to believe that there is one necessary thing. It's the life-changing power of your abiding presence in us. It's your abiding love. It's your abiding grace. It's the power for our lives to be transformed. It's the ability to cooperate with you to share that love with people around us. God, we say yes to receiving you. God, we say yes to cultivating a relationship with you. God, to following you, to to repenting if we need to repent. God, we are willing to obey where you're inviting us. God, we want to be able to see ourselves with, with your eyes, God, ways that you're producing fruit in us, gifts that you've given us. God, that we can use to love others well and glorify you. God, if we've been resistant or closed off to you or some of your gifts, God, would you soften our hearts? God, we have a fresh new perspective on who you are and what you have for us. God, heal brokenness. Breathe new life by your spirit. Holy Spirit, one of the the clearest pictures of who you are in scripture is breath. In fact, Jesus, the scripture says, you breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. God, would would a fresh breath from you fill our lungs? Would we be like Adam of old, like breathing in for the first time, your breath, your spirit, your life? May May it be life to our bones. God, may your spirit and your presence bring new life into our homes. God, into our our relationships, our work life. God, as we navigate through a broken, fallen world, may your breath just fill us and touch others around us. God, we say yes to you. We ask, we seek, we knock. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Let's live in his daily abiding presence. Let's link arms and encourage each other to walk that road together. Let's watch his gifts operate in us as we build one another up. Amen, amen.